Welcome to the Have You Ever Podcast. My name is Michael Nielsen, a fitness enthusiast, lifelong learner who is always asking questions. Each week I will dive into topics you've always wanted to know more about, but never had the courage to explore. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Have You Ever. This week I'm talking about online security with Dave McLean. Having spent nearly 20 years in corporate technology, Dave currently works for a major financial institution as an information security specialist. He has a strong interest in all things technology and is always researching the next big thing. Highlights of today's episode include why we use passwords and why they are so important to help protect our online accounts. What are some common password mistakes that Dave often sees? And Dave shares a few tips on how to keep your online accounts safer. This is the final episode of Season 2. Thank you to everyone who has tuned in to the Have You Ever podcast this season. I can't believe that we have had over a thousand listens to this podcast so far. Thank you to everyone who has listened. Season 3 will be coming in mid-October. I already have some very exciting guests and topics lined up for Season 3. I cannot wait to share these with you. Here we go with Dave McLean. Welcome back, everyone, to the Have You Ever podcast. I am pleased today to be joined with Dave McLean. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. So, Dave, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what led you to work in the field of technology. So I've always been interested in technology, uh, whether it's it's gadgets like phones, laptops, what have you, or servers, networks, information security, anything to do with technology has been an interest of mine from, from a very young age. I've got into school and I started looking for courses within technology, which led me into corporate technology and supporting large organizations in, in any way that I can. What was your uh, schooling background? So I went to Mohawk College for computer science and network security. And it was you know, a three-year program, excellent program that had everything I needed to get me started. Put me into help desk first, which I think is the first uh, step for most people who get into uh, technology. And you know, it led me from there. And I've taken many courses since then, done lots of education and training on my own or through the organizations that I've worked through. So we want to talk a little bit about passwords today. So a very kind of basic question, why do we use passwords as a means of protecting our own personal accounts, whether it be email, banking, or you know, even locks? Passwords is the only way that we can separate ourselves on the accounts that we create so that we don't have a risk where somebody could log into your account. So for example, if your account was a email address or your first name, last name, what have you, somebody else could have the same first name, last name. Somebody else could have a similar email address. And so with password is what separates you from everybody else and keeps your information private and secure. Uh, it's interesting in doing some research on passwords uh, years ago, I found that um, the army used to use passwords all the time. And we've probably watched movies where this is included 
you meet somebody in the middle of the night and you say a key word or a key phrase and you expect something in return. That's a password. Uh, and they, that's how you validate the individual on the other end to make sure that they're, they're a friend and not a foe. I mean, I'm thinking uh, back to the Star Wars movies and needing to get like a certain password to pass through the, the, the Galactic Empire. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The same. It's an old password, but it still checks in. <laughs> so what are some common mistakes that people use for their passwords uh, that you see today? Uh, so most people use very simple passwords, uh, with very few characters. They are normally names of people, uh, or a name of an object, or it has something that is personal to them or they feel is personal to them, but is easily found birthdays, anniversaries, uh, street addresses, phone numbers, so forth. That's the most common. The worst thing that I see happening all the time is people using the same password over and over and over. Uh, and they, they will use it for every application. They'll use it for every website. And no matter how secure that information is to them or important it is to them, they still use the same password. And so if someone does find out your password, you know, why, I guess this goes back to, you know, why it is important of these mistakes. What can happen to someone's account if their password is found out? Sure. So the majority of usernames today are your email address. And when you, if I had your email address and I found out that your password was lucky123 and lucky was your cat's name or something, if I get into your account, I, I can act as you within that account. So something simple is maybe I can send an email on your behalf and you don't know what's been sent. And then maybe I send it to somebody that you know, and I say something that you don't want to be said to that individual uh, and cause a little bit of social harm. If it is something like a bank account, uh, you could send money to yourself. Uh, so if I got into your bank account, I could send money. And there's a, a means of that bank returning the money to you, but uh, you could send money or I can empty your accounts or charge something. I could go as far as opening up credit cards, you know, anything like that. The biggest risk is a lot of people because they have one email address. And if I was to get into that email address with a password that is very easy to guess, I can reset all of your account passwords. So even if I only have one password to your email, I could go to your bank and hit forgot password. And the bank would probably authenticate me by sending an email to your email address, which I now have access to. Mm. And I could go through every single account and change every single password uh, and do essentially whatever I needed to uh, if I was attempting to hack you. Almost creating a new identity for you. Yeah, exactly. And now it is difficult to do this. It's not something that you know is easy to do, even if um, your password is somewhat easy to guess. Uh, there's a lot of protections in place, especially at the front door. So when you go to google.com and you put in your username and password, there's a lot of protections in place that people can't guess your password. The risk is when a website is hacked and a passwords are then hopefully they are hashed, which is encrypted, and an individual gets all those usernames and passwords and they find out that they can use the same password through multiple accounts. And that's the biggest risk. So one of the things I've told many people is that you may go to a website and think that this website is not important to me. It is a forum for cars or a hobby of yours. 
So I'm just going to use an easy password here that I can remember, and I'm not going to mind it. The big risk is those individuals who own that forum are not known to you, and they may have full access, including clear text, to those passwords. Now, if you use that password, like I mentioned, if you use that password multiple times, they could potentially use it in lots of different places. It's, it's a big risk. So you've mentioned a few times now how it's really good practice for someone to use different passwords for, you know, each site or each service that you're using. But if I'm, you know, I've got, you know, three emails and a work email and my bank account and all these different sites that we're using, how does someone remember, you know, 15 different passwords for everything that they're using? Great question. That's one I get quite often. I, I don't know the exact stat, but I, I assume it's probably well over 50 that accounts that people have online. And uh, how do you remember 50 passwords or, or more than that? I think I, the best way to do it and, and to also have a difficult password uh, would be a password manager. And uh, we can discuss a password manager specifically, but if you don't want to get into a password manager, creating an algorithm for yourself works really well. The longer the password, the better. So for example, if you had 10 characters is better than eight. If you had 15 characters, it's better than 10 and so forth. What I've told a lot of people to do is to create an algorithm, come up with a, a long sentence that means something to you. Uh, and I'll use in this example, Mary had a little lamb. Let's say it's my favorite or sugar rhyme. And I'm going to take the first letter of each of those. So Mary M, you know, M Hall is, is the, the acronym for it. And I'm going to start to obscure it a little bit. And maybe I'll change some of the letters. I'll, I'll make a, a letter, a capital or a lowercase, or I'll change some of the letters to numbers. And M Hall on its own with, say, an at symbol is actually pretty easy for a password brute force attack uh, because Lots of people do that. They will take a, a, a known word and change the letters to a number and or to a special character. So now you need to add on to that. So take that M hall and you're going to use that in every single password and then add a couple characters to the site that you're logging into or to what that site does for you. So let's say with Gmail, you can add a G at the beginning or the end or in the middle or, or maybe you write out gmail or you misspell it or do something to make it longer and then you can potentially add some numbers that mean something to you or or another passphrase that means something to you and you have this very long passphrase that's the same for you every single time if somebody gets a hold of it it looks like a bunch of mismatched letters and numbers and symbols but to you it means the same thing it's mary had a little lamb gmail bank, you know, whatever sports team, and you can have a different password for every site, but it's easy for you to remember every single time. That's one option. Um, so, sorry, I think and, a, and you would keep that specific to that site. So let's say you would use the, the M hall and the name of your bank, for example, for your bank sure. account, and then for your email address, Gmail, and then so on, continue right down the line, you know, your password for your whatever service, fill in the blank. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so, so now you've, and like I said, the longer, the better. So adding in more and more characters is going to make that better. So Mary had a little lamps pretty short. I would come up with something that's longer and, and it means something to you, but absolutely. And, and you, if it's a nice long, if you're, if you're 
you know, whether it's an acronym or, or your little passphrase that you're using all the time is say 10 characters long. And you're all, then maybe only add one or two characters at the end. You now have a 12 character password. That's a long password. They definitely can be longer, but that is at least a good start to go through. But you're exactly right. Keeping the same password for you every time. But if somebody was to get a hold of it, it does not work anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And if they were to look at it, uh, it's difficult to understand what's meant. And the fact that this could be uh, an acronym or or something to you is not known unless they get multiple of your passwords. So it makes it harder to guess. If, if you use something like a password manager, it would generate a passphrase very similar to that, operating in lowercase number symbols and so forth. And there's no real relation to the individual to who's reading it to know what it means. Uh, only you know. So what is a password manager and how would someone use that to help protect their self for these multiple passwords? Yeah. So a password manager is the best option. So the passphrase is, is a good option and it's it's a good start to change your passwords. A password manager is your best option. Uh, you can get password managers through most browsers. Uh, you can get it on most phones. So iPhone has one, um, Android has them, and there's also third parties. A password manager will generate and store passwords for every single account that you use and stores it behind one very key master password or master passphrase that you only need to remember that one password. The A good password manager uh, would be able to understand how many characters or give you the option to change how many characters you want your password to be. So when you sign into that site or service and you're creating a brand new account, you put in your email address and then it will pop up and say, would you like me to generate a password for you? And you say, yes, it would create one save it with the username inside of your password vault. And you then, every time you go back to that site, it will auto-populate that information and sign you straight in. And you do not need to remember or know any of those passwords. I have well over a hundred separate internet accounts and all of them have, I think the smallest password is 16 characters long. The majority of them are 50 characters long. And I do not know them. Uh, I know my master password, but I do not know the any of the passwords inside. And I'm very comfortable knowing that I have that encrypted vault and I can save anything I'd like inside of there. And every time I log into a website, I'm using a very secure password. A lot of good password managers will also do password maintenance and, and reminders for you and let you know that your password has not been changed in a year and help you to change those passwords. Uh, some even have the ability to automatically do it for you by clicking on a button it will load the web page log in with your current password change the password and then save the new password all for you and you don't even need to log in it's a, a very a better way than uh, what most people do i'm sure yeah it's it's surprising how many people don't know about it and it's also surprising how easy it is lots of people when i've discussed password managers it's it's daunting uh, and something that I don't think I, I want to trust because who who holds that vault? Who protects that? Do I trust that individual? What if they get hacked? There are lots of different companies, and I won't mention any specific names. Uh, do your research. Uh, there, Figure out what one makes the most sense for you. Some allow you to store the vault locally that it's not in somebody else's server. Uh, some uh, will store it on their servers, but only for you to access with 
with keys on your device. So for example, the encryption key is sitting on your phone and the only thing that will be able to open up that device is your phone. All of this is the technical speak behind that you do not need to really worry about. It does it for you and it's easy. My parents are in their 70s, almost 70 and my mom, and they use password managers. Uh, I had to explain it to them initially, uh, but they're using it and they're comfortable with it and it's on their devices and they log in, whether it's their computer, their iPhone, their iPad, what have you. They use the same password and they do not know what the passwords are. Now, I know one other means of kind of protecting your own personal security is multi-factor authentication. So what is this and how would that also help kind of add that extra layer of protection for on top of your own passwords? Yes. So this is another excellent feature in, in securing your accounts. And anytime that you have the ability to use multi-factor authentication, I, I highly recommend you turn it on. The concept behind multi-factor is there's essentially three types. There's something you know, which is your password, something you have, so be it a physical token or a key or what have you, or something you are, so your your fingerprint, your, your retina scan or what have you. You use these all day, every day, and most of the time you don't even know it. So when you log into your car, and by say log in, I mean open the door, you have a key fob. You have a physical token that only you have that gets you into that device. The same thing on your internet accounts, you, you may have multi-factor with a text message. So you log into your bank, put in your password, and then it sends you your phone, a text message, and you put in the code. So the phone is something you have, and the password is something you know. Um, and there's fingerprint scanners that you can sometimes get at, at doors inside of office buildings. And that's now your fingerprint. That's something you are, and you can, you can use your fingerprint. And the more of these, the better, the more secure it will be. So there's some risks with using your cell phone. There's a, a term called SIM jacking, uh, where they, they, an individual could potentially call into your phone provider and pretend through social engineering that they are you and that you have a new phone and you need to transfer your cell phone number to this new SIM card. And the sometimes that happens, it works. And I call and I pretend I'm Mike and now my cell phone, my cell phone, David's cell phone has Mike's number on it. And then I log into your bank because I have your password and it sends now my phone, mm -hmm. your, your text message to confirm the account. You don't know as long as you don't check your phone to realize that there's no data and service on it. And I could potentially get pretty far with it. So using your cell phone is not the best option, but in some cases it's the only option and it's still better than only one password or only one factor. There's physical tokens. So you can, for example, the company I work for has a, a physical token for my VPN and it has an auto-generated number and six digits are spinning every 30 seconds. And I need to have that token with me to, to be able to log into my device. Another great option. There's also digital versions of that that you can have installed on your computer. I use a, another tool that does a soft token on my phone. And it's an authenticator. And there are many companies that use them. Um, Google creates them. Microsoft has them. And a lot of the password manager companies also have them. And they create that six-digit code, like I described on my, my physical key 
every 30 seconds and generates a new one. And when I log on to a device or a, a, an account that has two-factor authentication, I use my 50-character password through my password vault. It then asks me for a six-digit code that only my phone has. And it's not my phone through a text message. It's my physical phone. You have to have my physical phone. And then I can put in that those six characters and be able to log into the device. And so it adds to the, the levels of security. And most people who are hacking, unless you are an individual of interest, that you have something that's very important or you know sought after, we're probably, and I say probably because it's not a guarantee, not going to be hacked with somebody who has that level of, of sophistication and is going to attempt to do all of these processes to get into something. It's a lot of effort and lot potentially a large cost to log in to get what? What, what do you really have, right? Uh, myself, there's not a lot you're going to get. So, But that's just a multiple layers of security is really helpful. Just that little bit of extra layer will really prevent really anyone who has any ability to try to get in. That's right. And these are, you know, there's some, some individuals are, are just testing their skills and, and they will, they will prey on a random individual and see what they can log into. And they will, you know, whether they get a password from a previous password dump uh, because of a website's being hacked and so forth. Uh, and they try that way. And if it's just a password and they get in, great. If they realize they now need two-factor authentication, there's a lot of questions that they have to figure out and to which two-factor authentication method are you using? Is it a physical token? Is it a soft token? If it's a soft token, what company is it? There's a lot they have to go through. And the average person who's stumbling around and practicing is probably not going to go through that. They're going to use something entirely different. I guess it kind of goes back and I think about years ago when people would break into your car, mm -hmm. they're, they're just trying to find the easiest way to get in. And if right. your car is locked, they're just going to keep going. But if they find that's someone that's unlocked, hey, there's the easiest one that I can get into. So it's almost right. like you're trying to just add that little bit of extra protection so that you can prevent that person from getting into your car. That's right. And that, on that same token, I used to know an individual who would leave their car open at night because there was nothing in it of any value. And the keys were obviously not in it, but it stopped damage because they would have they'd, multiple times they wake up and the window was broken right. because somebody tried to get in to see if something was there. So they would just leave the door open and <laughs> <laughs> nothing was damaged. <laughs> Do you have any other tips for someone trying to protect their personal identity that might be helpful to use besides what we've talked about today? Be as vigilant as you can. Choose services that have strong backgrounds in security. Make sure you're looking for things that are checked on a regular basis. And when I say checked, there are companies out there who will use third parties to audit their system to make sure that it is what they say it is. So if you're going to choose a password manager, make sure that it is a, a well-known trusted password manager that is going to audit their system to make sure that if somebody ever did get into their, their backend where all these password vaults are stored, that there is no way that somebody can log in. Same thing with when you're creating accounts, be vigilant on what sites you're logging into, who these individuals are. Uh, if it's a small hobbyist forum or if it's a major organization, 
everybody's doing this for different reasons and be careful on what you're signing up for and use all the technology that I just described. And I think you'll, you'll be in a much better situation with a mindset of, of always looking for, is this the most secure? Am I doing the things I should be doing? Uh, another quick tip is email. So most people have one email address. Some people have multiple email addresses uh, and some people separate their emails based on junk mail. So if I, if I walk into a store and I get a 10% discount by giving my email, I'm going to give them my, you know, this email account. But when I sign into my important things, I use this email account. Do that. Create multiple accounts and separate out things as much as you can. Put the really important stuff, your, your banking, your uh, if you need to do a, a corporate email or something that, that is needs to be secure, put that in one location and don't tell anybody what that is. Uh, that's not a public you know, to the world, that's on a public email, then create a friends and family email where you send and receive emails back and forth for events and, you know, fun things, then create another one for all that junk of going into stores and getting discounts. Those three emails will be helpful. You can go as far as you want, make it 10, 20 emails, whatever makes sense for you. Uh, There's lots of services that will combine them so that you don't necessarily know that they were sent to a separate email. They all show up in a one inbox for you, which is you know very helpful. I've known of people who they don't trust when they give out an email, especially for a store or whatever for that 10% discount. And they will put in their email name or they'll just put in their contact information with a fake middle name. And the middle name will be the store. So for example, you know, David store name McLean. And when I get an email and it says it came from or was addressed to David store name, I know that that store name sold my account information and it went somewhere else. Oh, interesting. Right? So uh, especially if it's not tied to the same account. And then you can look into privacy policies and understand that they had the right to do this and you signed that privacy policy when you accepted the agreement. Or maybe it's an affiliate of theirs and they didn't necessarily sell it, but they're using it within their own organization. I'm, I don't want to spill out any names or anything, but there are lots of companies who are brand, multiple brands under one title. And so they will start to share that information to try and gather you as a customer. So Dave, what's one thing you want our listeners to get out of today's conversation? Uh, I would say... Be vigilant, understand what you're signing up for, and make sure that you are as secure as possible online and, and every anything you do online. Choose the right devices, choose the right websites, choose the right services. Help to guide, as you learn, help to guide others so that everybody can be as secure as possible. Read up on what you can. And if you find somebody that is interested in this like I am, pull me aside and ask some questions. Uh, try and try and learn as much as you can about it just to be as safe and secure as you can online and don't make silly mistakes. So before we wrap up, I have one last question. I always like to ask all of my guests, what is something you want to learn more about? And again, this does not have to be related to our conversation today about personal cybersecurity. So one thing I am, I'm doing a lot of research in right now is actually home theater trying to build a custom home theater and understand not just the individual box units of, you know, go to Best Buy and pick up five speakers and a receiver. I, I want to ne- ne- learn about acoustics. I want to learn about uh, speaker placement. I want to learn about screen sizes and, and so forth. I'm uh, 
spending a lot of time understanding how a movie theater is built and why it's built that way so that I could potentially use those features in oh. my own media room. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, maybe it'll be another talk for, for us down the line <laughs> and, uh, when I learn all about it. Once you figure out the, the ratios. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Should be very interesting. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope that everyone can learn a little bit more about it and can hopefully keep their passwords a little bit more safer. Yes, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we get to do it again. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for tuning into the Have You Ever podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a topic you would like me to explore? I would love to hear from you. You can follow me on Instagram at haveyouever.podcast. Have a great day and stay curious.